Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? I don't know if y'all have ever seen that movie, Step Brothers. And they try to make bunk beds in a the room. They're like, there's so much room for activities. It's, it's kind of what this feels like right now. I'm going to grab this, though. Hopefully, y'all can see me over this thing. But I'm trying to. I'm trying. You see me in the back now. I'm excited to be with y'all, man. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. And, man, God has been doing some amazing things this past Thursday. We got to witness 11 people get baptized. Man, praise God. The cool thing about that is we already have two people signed up to get baptized in the fall. So God is definitely moving. And August is an exciting month. Like they said, we have National Night Out. Uh, we have the Back to School Bash. We got uh, a car club that's donated a jumper. We got another organization that's donated a phone party. Like God has just been working. We're going to be partnering with uh, Brother David and his tree services to provide some shoes for the homeless community. Man. We're going to be partnering with uh, McCorder Elementary to do a, a fun family night with Joyland. And so it's going to be a lot of opportunities to, to man, join and serve. And then the next month is a month of prayer, so y'all be ready. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of prayer going on. And I think those feelings of excitement are something that we can all relate to at, at our point of our life. Where we're, just, we're just filled with so much joy and excitement, um, especially when you have an encounter with God, right, that marks you and Last week, I talked about the hand of God in our life and how when you have the hand of God, you have a hand to get through life. But also said, it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy or that you will always get it right. Um, and I would be doing a disservice if I said, man, you know what? Just get with Jesus and life's going to be perfect. It's not the way life works, okay? Many of you know, like, I be going through it all the time. And, and I share those things not to say that my life is chaos or anything like that, but to understand that there are going to be trials that are going to come in your life, no matter who you are. None of us are immune or exempt to it. And there's a Psalms that I really feel like sums this up. It's in chapter 46, verses 1 through 2, and I'm going to have it on the screen for you. But I just want to read this because it's just so good. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. You see, church, we're all going to experience times where our faith gets shook, where the things that we thought were solid, were unmovable, actually crumble right before us. And those are challenging times. Those are hard for any of us, no matter who you are. Sometimes it's in jobs. Sometimes it's in finances. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's our own bodies that crumble right before us in ways that we didn't expect. And as difficult as these moments may be, I want you to know that they're actually an opportunity to realign yourself with God. Because what you discover is in these moments is a lot of times we started depending on other things than God. We started trusting on other things. But this verse right here just reminds us that these things are gonna happen, but we can still get back to our true source, to our true refuge, to our true strength. And so I just pray today, just, uh, man, whatever's going on in your life, that, man, you will find yourself realigned with God in a way that brings comfort. 
that even though God can put you on a peach farm, it don't mean everything is always going to be peachy, okay? It's going to get difficult sometimes. But God is still God. He's still faithful. And in fact, he's going to use those moments, those things that are coming against you. Whether you did it to yourself or it's an attack from the enemy, man, God's still going to get the glory out of it. And so today's word is going to be kind of reflecting on that. Because maybe you're in a challenging time. Maybe you feel like the enemy has been attacking you and you have been doing all the things that God has been asking of you and he still comes and hits you harder. Well, I want to let you know, man, it's going to happen if you're not already happening now. And God is still faithful and he's still going to get the glory out of this. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll dive into some. Father, I just thank you that you're a good God that you're a God that's always with us, that you're a God that's present, just like we read in your word, Lord, that when troubles arise, you said that you'll be there to help. You'll be there to comfort us. You'll be there to help us see it through, to show us what we're missing. And so, Father, I just pray this morning that we would be sensitive to that, that if there's something that we are missing that we have been mistakenly blocking you from doing in our life, that you would make us aware, that you would help us remove ourselves, that man, you would just give us a hand to help press through. That we would be able to identify whenever it's our own mistakes or it's an attack from the enemy. And no matter which way the situation is, Lord, people still keep pressing into you. So Father, we just thank you for your love, for your truth, and for your word. Would you just, man, love us and lead us and speak to us this morning. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5. But before we dive into that, uh, I want to give you some background. In this book, Peter is talking to both the Jews, those that were raised in the church, brought up in the church. He's also talking to the Gentiles, those that later discover and become Christians, become believers. And both of these groups at this point find themselves being persecuted because of their faith. See, the crazy thing is the links that some people will go when they believe something different than you, when you don't align with their thinking. And the truth is, Christians are guilty of this too. We see somebody else that's outside of our way of, of life, and we start to judge and start to persecute. And God doesn't call that for us. Jesus told us, man, he said, man, I call you to love everyone, even your enemies. Amen. So we're not called to bash or to judge, but we're called to love them, right? And, but that doesn't mean that we approve their way of living or the things that they do. It, it just means that when we are faced in that situation, we're going to love them regardless of how they treat us. And that's not the way the world wants us, and that's not the way the world always explains it to us. Because as a believer, man, it's not going to keep you from bad things happening. Sometimes we don't understand how we continue to do more right things and more things go wrong. Has that ever happened to you? You'd be like, okay, I'm reading more, I'm praying more, I'm going to church more, I'm worshiping more, I'm actually being more obedient, more sensitive, and it seems like I keep getting one thing after another that's hit me upside the head. It's like, why, God, I, I'm doing this your way. Why is these things happening? Well, I want to take you behind the curtain. I want you to gain this insight today. The enemy is always trying to keep you from what God has for you. That's the thing we need to realize. You got a target on your back. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. He said, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. 
He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. You see, a lot of times we're trying to make sense of what's in front of us, right? We always want understanding. We always want clarity. What we need to understand, though, is sometimes it's deeper than what we see. There's a lot of things that are going on that's taking place in the unseen. You see, there's people, right, that you may have known that are drug addicts or they become alcoholics. And a lot of times we think, oh, they just want to get high. They're just looking to catch a buzz. But the truth is, a lot of times the reason they resort to those things is because of the trauma that they've been through in life. And so they're using those things as a coping thing, as a thing to heal, as a thing to process, as a thing to get them through. And what did we read about? There's somebody that's harder work in the unseen, and it's the enemy. It says he is the spirit at the work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. You see, when you don't have the Holy Spirit working on your heart, now you know who's in control of it, right? Who has your heart? Who's leading you? And without you realizing it, you become a prisoner of the unseen world. Because there's a battle happening every day that we don't even realize, that we don't see, that a lot of times we don't even acknowledge is taking place. And that's what Paul's referencing to. I don't know if y'all ever been to jail, okay? But one thing my daughter always says, my oldest daughter, Malia, she's like, Dad, that is not it. She says that whenever it's something that she's just like, I ain't trying to mess with that. Jail is not it, church, okay? The thing about it is, a lot of times we look at those people, we're like, man, they're so dumb. They could have avoided that. Like, why did they make that choice? That's stupid. Like, why would they do that? We don't understand that it's deeper than what we see. There's something in the unseen going on that we're not aware of, that we're not acknowledging. And when you're a prisoner, that authority, that control that you have over your life, man, it's gone out the window. And what you don't realize is it starts to shape you in ways you were never meant to be. You start to become a whole, totally different person than God designed you to be, intended you to be. What do we read? The devil is the spirit working in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. So when you reject God, you're giving the devil a pass to work on your heart. But here's the thing. So what if you're on the other side of that? What if you rejected him and you accepted, you become a believer, he no longer has control over your heart? Well, guess what he's going to try to do? He says, okay, if I can't get their heart, if I can't make them slip that way, let me capture their mind. If I could just mess with their thinking, then I could have them return to those same things that I held them as a prisoner with. A lot of times you hear those sayings, man, just follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. Don't let anything rob your peace. Well, church, those are all good sayings. They have some truth in them. But here's the real truth about it all. If your peace isn't found in Jesus, if your happiness isn't found in God, if the Holy Spirit isn't the one working in your heart, then you're a prisoner of war. Then you are being kept from the life that God has for you. You are being kept from things beyond your ability that serve a greater purpose. But we could be on the other side of that. I want you to understand, church, when you accept Jesus as your savior, the enemy is now declaring war on you. He's saying, I got to take him out. So what you weren't a problem for, now you're a problem to him. Now he's paying attention to you. He says, you know what, I don't have them under control, but I, I got to get control back over them. How can I do this? 
So he's looking for ways to catch you slipping, looking for ways to trip you up. He's looking for ways to create those earthquake moments, those crumble moments, because then he has a better chance to hit you. See, this is what we got to learn here. It's chaos of the enemy is never greater than the order of the Lord. It's never greater. Because what does the enemy try to do? He tries to come and kill, steal, and destroy. Do you know the type of environments that birthed those things in your life? It's chaos. Whenever you're frustrated, whenever you're overwhelmed, whenever you are just boiling with emotions, the enemy is trying to use that chaos to stir you in the wrong direction, to take advantage of you. But it's never greater than the order of the Lord. There's a reason that God allows things to unfold the way they do. And a lot of times we struggle with that. We're like, God, if you would just show up, let me win the lottery, things would be great. It would be over. But that's not going to get the greatest results for the kingdom of God. That's not going to grow you the best way. That's not going to make the hugest impact. In chapter 5, Peter is telling the elders, man, God, blessings flow through the church. It starts at the top. And if you're an elder of the church, that means we're holding you to a higher standard because the way that you are living, the way that you are leading, it influences those who are watching. It influences the flock. And if you're not being obedient, man, they're not going to be obedient. So you have to be mindful of how you are living. And that's tough. Because if they're not doing it right, nobody else is either. They're going to start messing it up. And that's a lesson for us to learn. Because I can't be mad, right, at, at my wife if she goes and spends some money, and then I go and spend money too. And we both agree that we're on a budget. And I'm tripping on her. Oh, man, I can't believe you did this, but then I went and did the same thing. I got to lead by example. If I go and I cut somebody out, and then I hear my kids do the same thing at school, I could be mad at my kids, but I really need to be mad at myself because I set that example. So we have to look in the mirror. And that's a tough thing to do, church. It's tough to look in the mirror. A lot of times we avoid that because we're afraid of what's going to come from it. But the only thing that's going to come is a changed heart, is a changed mind, is changed actions. You're going to become so much better because of it. So when we find ourselves in them earthquake moments, we could follow God's order to make it out on the other side better than what we went in. I want to read this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. He says, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Man, that's so huge to know that he cares about you. Because that's what the enemy tries to take. Man, God don't really care. Did God really say that? He tries to create so much doubt. And we see humility is a huge thing to God. You know why it's huge? Because it allows you to submit. It allows you to surrender. And that's a place that we all have to be. Because do you know what pride does? It blocks you from growing. It, it puts the blame on somebody else. It turns your emotions into harmful weapons that you use against others, including yourself. Have you ever tried to help somebody, right? They're like, hey, man, I need your help. And then you go help and you're like, why you got me just standing here, bro? I thought I was going to help you. And I'm guilty of this, church. I don't know how many times they'd be like, pastor, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, I'll let you know. I'll get back to you. 
Like, come on, that's not smart, right? A lot of times we do this to ourselves. It doesn't make sense. But when pride is in the driver's seat, it gets justified by trying to bring reasoning into the equation of saying, well, I don't want to be a burden to that person or I don't want to place this on them. Man, we need to face these things. We need to look in the mirror, have a hard look and say, okay, God, let me move out of the way. And it takes humility to do that, to surrender these things, to identify these things. And when you do that, man, you're able to step to the side. You're able to let God be God and work on you, work in your life. It helps you give him your problems, release your emotions, let go of those things that you're holding on too tightly, transform you, change your actions. And if we're all honest, we could all use a lot of that, not just a little bit. It's when we do these things that he's saying, man, child, quit stressing on that stuff. Just give it to me. I want you to hold this peace. Just give it to me. Let me give you this rest. Just give it to me. Let me give you this encouragement. Quit walking with all this baggage. Give it to me. Let me release you from these things. A lot of times, man, that's hard for us. We want things to work a certain way, to happen in a certain order, to come at a certain time. But that's the thing about humility. Humility makes you surrender to that, to his plans, to his order, to his timing. And a lot of times he's really saving us from ourselves. We think we're ready for the thing that's in front of us that he showed us a glimpse for, but we're really not. We're, we're like babies, man. We still got milk on our breath. But we say we're ready, not realizing how we're saving us. Church, God cares for you. He knows what's best. If it was meant to happen sooner, it would have happened. You would already be in that position. You would already be in that place. There's a reason why things are unfolding the way they are. Just know that the glory is coming. No matter how chaotic it could get at times, God's still going to bless you through this. He's still going to transform you through this. The only thing rushing is going to do is turn up the chaos. It's going to make you more overwhelmed, more frustrated, more discouraged. More, man, I'm telling you, his order, man, nothing can escape it. The next verse, it just shows us, though. It's, it's funny how the enemy works. In verse 8, it says, stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a lion, roaring, looking for someone to devour. You know, recently we moved to a new house, and before we, we lived in the hood, y'all, okay? If you know anything about the hood, there's stray dogs all the time everywhere. People walking all through the neighborhood. Hear gunshots pretty often. It comes just a way of life. You don't think much about it, but you do pay attention to those things. You are more alert to your surroundings. You make sure the doors are locked, stuff is put up. And I've had stuff stolen, but I ain't never had the car broken into or somebody try to get into it. I've had lawnmowers get stolen. I've had bikes get stolen in our front yard. A lot of times it's my fault I didn't put it up. We moved to a new neighborhood. I don't hear any of those things now. And the crazy thing is we were there maybe a week Middle of the night, I hear the car alarm go off. So I do like any Mexican does. I grabbed the strap and ran outside in my boxers. <laughs> Said, I got to see what's happening. Oh, this truck isn't even mine. I can't let nothing happen to you. But God was just reminding me, man, the enemy doesn't take a day off, man. 
Just because you find yourself in a new position, in a new place, we still have to stay alert. Those same things that God has shown us to be doing consistently, to be putting work in, are things that you're going to always have to do. But there's a rhyme, there's a reason, there's a purpose to it. Because what do we read? It says, man, stay alert. The great enemy is out there, the devil, and he's prowling around like a lion. I don't know if y'all know anything about lions in the way that they hunt, but the enemy does a similar thing. You see, in the groups of lions, the lioness, the women, are the ones that usually do the hunting. They usually go out in packs and groups. And the way they do it is they look for who's sick, who's weak, who's vulnerable. They try to isolate them from the herd. And they take their time. They remain hidden. They look for the right opportunity, then they pounce. And once they pounce, they put their claws into them. And you think, oh, they're trying to shred them. No, they claw them, and then they bite their neck. They try to paralyze them. That's the same thing the enemy does to us. He looks for opportunities that he finds us weak, that he finds us sick, that he finds us vulnerable, that we find ourselves being isolated from the church, from brothers and sisters that are walking this life with us, from our spouse. And then he tries to pounce, takes his time, tries to make sure that you're not paying attention and you're paying on mine, and he tries to put you in a position that you're defenseless. And if he can't get you that way, there's always option number two. See, in lions, the option number two, they get the men involved. They say, okay, now we don't need the brains. We're going to go ahead and bring y'all in the muscle. And men, being men, we do things dumb ways sometimes. But the male lions, what they do when they're hunting is they don't worry about all this, you know, strategic planning and all that. They say, okay, let me just corner this, this animal. And I don't even care if it's sick, if it's vulnerable. It could be healthy and strong. It could be the biggest one. We're going to corner it. We're going to go at it straight up, and we're going to try to overwhelm it. The enemy does the same thing. He says, okay, you know what? They're not vulnerable. They're not sick. You know, I'm just going to hit them in the face. And I'm going to keep hitting them in the face and see if they go down. And guess what happens? If you don't go down, he says, okay, let me hit their spouse. Their spouse is standing up. Let me hit the children. Let me hit the friends. Let me hit the family. He's always looking for an opportunity. I was telling Brother Derek this this morning. He's an opportunist. Always looking for a chance. That's something we need to be mindful of. Because it's going to come if you're not already going through it. He's always looking for a way. But I want you to know, though, just because those things are happening, it doesn't trump what God is doing. At the end of the day, he still even got to submit to the order of God, to the authority of God, to the will of God. I love what it says in James chapter 4, verse 7. He says, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you. Man, you can actually do this, church. Like that verse right there is a lot of authority that the Lord is trying to make you aware of. He's trying to say, man, you could actually see this happen in your life. When you submit yourself, when you humble yourself, you could actually rise up and resist them. You could actually make him leave the premises, leave what's going on in that chaos situation that you have. It's going to take us holding on, though. It's going to take us standing our ground. It's going to take us standing firm. And this is what I want you to see. Standing firm strengthens and grows your faith. 
Standing firm, strengthening goes your faith. The enemy's going to take his shots, whether you give him an opening or not. But let's not just be sitting ducks. Let's rise up. Let's fight back. Let's say, okay, you want to declare war on me? I want you to know you're actually declaring a losing war. So I don't care what you're doing, you're actually putting in a losing effort. So even when it looks like you're winning, you're really not. Because at the end of this, my father's going to do something that makes you look even dumber. That's what the Israel does. I love what this says in verse 9. It says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering as you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in the eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. I don't know if you know anything about Jesus, but he went through some things, okay? So we can't be shocked that we be going through some things too. The very people that he loved were trying to condemn him. The very town he came from rejected him. The very people he was fighting for had him killed. One week they threw him a party, the next week they had him crucified. So what's to say that it's not going to happen to us? And I know it's hard to picture someone else struggling with what you're going through. But there's always somebody else going through it too. There's always somebody else that struggles probably even greater than yours. You know, just the other day, I had, like I told you, I'll be going through it. The other day, uh, I got this text, right? And it says, man, somebody's messing with your money in your bank account. And I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. I get the phone call. I start going through all it. Long story short, somebody hacked onto my online banking account. I was able to stop some of it, but they made some transactions. So I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. Now I got to change passwords, and I got to cut up all these cars. And normally, okay, take me back some years, I would have been tripping. I would have been mad. I would have been frustrated. I would have been taking it out on Desiree. I would have been taking it out on our children. If you would have called me, I would have said, no, I ain't answering that. I can't talk right now. I would have been upset. But I said, God, I, don't, I trust you, man. You saw this before it was going to happen. You know that if I submit this to you, if I humble myself, that you're going to make a way. You're going to do what needs to be done. And so I say, Lord, okay, this is yours. This is your battle. I go to the bank, right? I get new debit cards and all the things. I'm like, all right. We did the things we're supposed to. We disputed it, all the stuff, right? Later in that night, we're having a planning meeting for today, for Sunday. And I'm talking, and I get an email. And it says, you know, bank alert. This account is zeroed out. Bank alert. This account is zeroed out. Bank alert. I was like, what in the world is going on? And at the time, we were just talking about praying, about how, you know, the enemy's going to be trying to hit us. There's going to be some spiritual warfare coming against us. And I was like, yeah, I ain't going to believe this, man. All my accounts have just been zeroed out. I just changed everything. So the bank's closed. It's all good. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep doing what we're going to do. I got up the next day. I went to the bank. They're like, no, don't worry. We froze the accounts. We got all this. We got it all straightened out. But it could be a lot harder. It could have been a lot tougher. It could have been even worse. The banker had told me, man, Pastor Furman, you ain't going to, man, believe what happened just last week. I had a young lady come in. She was a college student. She had 28000 in the bank. She said she saw something funny was going on. By the time she got to the bank, they had already got her for 36000 There's always somebody going through it that's even worse than you. Always. And it just reminded me, man, okay, we think we got it bad, man. We don't realize what some other people go home to. 
But God is still God. He's still good. All the problems and moments that the enemy wants to use to rattle us, man, man, use that as opportunities to draw closer to God. He wants to tell you, man, nobody cares about you. Nobody's going to help you. Look, the Lord even abandoned you. He allowed all these things to happen. Don't believe those lies. Because God says the opposite of these things. He says, look, man, this is going to actually purify your faith. It's going to refine you in ways that you need. I'm going to bless you in a way that everybody else can see this happen in your life and they can't deny it. I'm going to use this. I'm going to get the glory out of it and watch what I do in your life. Because remember, church, if the enemy doesn't have your heart, he's trying to get your mind. He's trying to capture. He's trying to influence you. He's trying to look for opportunities to hit you. But I pray, man, that we, we fight against it, that we hold our ground. We reflect on the ways that God has been faithful to us. We read his word, man, his word is so powerful. I don't know if you ever read the beginning of this word in Genesis. It says he spoke the word into existence. It says that he breathed life and we came about. That's the power of his word in your life, in your situation, in those difficult seasons, those difficult moments. Speak this word, fight back with it. Praise God, man, thank him for the blessings that are gonna come out of this situation how it's going to shape you, how it's going to grow you. Say, God, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I know it has purpose. I know you're going to get glory from this. I know you're going to make a way. Check out what this next verse says, verse 10 and 11. It says, so after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. Check it out. And he said, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Amen. I know sometimes God's little whiles are a lot longer than what we expect, right? You ever had your kids in the car, they'd be like, how long are we going to get there? Are we there yet? That's how we turn into God. How long is this going to last? When is it, am I going to get over this? This is so ghetto. I'm tired of living like this. He's like, just calm down. Be patient. It has an ending. It's going to come to an end. What did we read? Two words I want you to hold on to. It said, he will. He will. He will restore. He will return. He will bring back. He will renovate what's going on, okay? He will strengthen. He will support. He will provide. He will make a way. He will increase. He will elevate. He will change you. He will shape you. He will give you something solid to hold on to, something to build on. Have you ever heard somebody say, man, you know what, I'm praying about this, but I pray that his will be done. You ever heard that? Church, it's his will that those things happen in your life, that you be restored, that you be supported, that you be strengthened, that you live on a solid foundation. And so that's my challenge for all of us this week. I want us to do this. Stand on his will. Stand on his will. What does that look like for you? Man, I don't know. But I do know that his word just says that he will make a way, that he will support you. So when you're like, God, I don't know. He said, man, you know what? I'm going to praise you right now. I'm going to sing. I'm going to stand on what your will is. And that's the thing about his will, church. That's authority in your life. 
God has given you authority. He's given you dominion over what's going on in your life. But we have to spend time in his word to access it, to become knowledgeable in it, and then to exercise it. Stand on his will. Church, there's power in that. So when you find yourselves in those earthquake moments, say, no, 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 I'm standing on his will because his will is that I will prosper through this. His will is that I will become a homeowner because I'm going to bless people through this. His will is that I will get that car because I'm going to go and use it to do outreach. His will is that I will do things for his glory. His will. Stand on his will. Learn what that is. Spend time in it. That's what excites me, church. The enemy can do whatever he wants, but he still has to submit to his will. So speak those two words in your life this week and those moments of difficulty and whatever that looks like. Just remind yourself, he will. Father, we thank you that every new earthquake that comes, every new challenge that tries to shake us and crumble before us, Father, we know that your will is that we would make it through the other side. Your will that we will be supported, that we will be strengthened, that we will bless people through this in a way that they can't deny. Some people try to challenge us. Well, why do you believe that? And say, man, I've experienced things through his will that can't be removed. You can't take the experiences that I've had with my father. And I pray that you will learn that will. So, Father, help us stand on your will this week. Help us stand on it, Lord. Help us speak it. Help us read it. Help us exercise it. Help us praise you with it, Lord. Because your will can't be denied. Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we're going to go into a time of worship. And we'll have some prayer team members up here. And If you want to receive prayer, you're more than welcome to come to them. Even if you just want to come to the altar and spend time in prayer with the Lord. If you need to sit in your chair, whatever it looks like tonight, man, stand on his will and let's worship the King of Kings. Amen. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior's scars on that cursed tree.